This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. WGCoaching.com is the website. Wayne Goldsmith is the man. Morning, Wayne. How are you? Well, we're just preparing for an absolute uh, hot day here today. Could be up around 40 degrees. And I was just talking to Sam about how we've got a big black Labrador who loves dunking in the pool on these hot days. And then, of course, gets out and shakes himself off and tries to wet everybody and everything. He possibly can. So, you know, life on the Gold Coast is always tough. Dealing with the heat, <laughs> yeah. dealing with the sunshine, dealing with the surf and the waves, it's always tough. Uh, look, I, uh, my, my thoughts and prayers are with you, Wayne, as you try and negotiate your way through yet another brilliant day there. Um, before you can get on and enjoy it, though, let's have a chat about uh, an issue which has been uh, quite prevalent recently. Uh, the NRL's been in the spotlight for some of the wrong reasons in the last month or so. Some off-field scandals in golfing rugby league. Uh, ben Barber sacked following the altercation with his longtime partner at a Townsville casino. Uh, explicit videos have been released, which place some high-profile players in the gun. Uh, NRL head Todd Greenberg says, My message to clubs is when you're buying and selling players, look equally at their values as opposed to the skill set. They should be assessed in equal priority. Do you have a general view around whether clubs should be doing more due diligence around a person's character during that recruitment process? No, absolutely, Piney. And, and the, the phrase that you and I have used over the discussions we've had is people have got to stop worshipping physical talent. That from the, the time that kids are 8, 9, 10 years of age, the biggest, the tallest, the fastest kids, the ones that are scoring all the goals, the ones that are winning the medals in the pool, the ones that are scoring all the tries, people go, wow, this kid's so incredibly talented. Why? Because they're bigger, stronger, faster, and they're scoring points or they're perceived to have some great talent, and then talent's overrated, and you and I have talked about this a lot. What the problem is, though, is that people assume that, well, if they're talented, that means they can be or will be successful, and everything goes into getting them bigger. They go to the gym. They go to coaches. Everything's based around getting them physically better. And But I can't tell you the number of times in the last 20 years where I get a phone call from an NRL club or an AFL club or a client rings up and says, Wayne, can you come in? We've got some problems. You never get invited in, Piney, to say, can you help our players get bigger? Can you help them get stronger? Can you help us get faster? And my original training was in sports science. You get, they ring up and say, look, we've got a real crisis and alcohol problem. We've got a real problem with drugs. We've got a problem with sexism. We've got a real problem with... Uh, it's always that stuff and for him to come out and say that he has to be applauded I'd have to say it's about 10 years too late they should have been on to this for a long time ago It must be a challenge though right Wayne because you can tell a lot about a, a person by doing physical testing how fast they can run how high they can jump their athletic ability when you're recruiting it's often a lot more difficult isn't it to find out about what's between their ears yeah, this is true. And this first came to 
light pointy. When I've been to the States a lot, as you know, and done a lot of work with swimming in college there. And what I found out from them is that if they're looking at, and, and one of my good friends, I think an exceptional coach at University of Texas in Austin, he's a guy in his 70s called Eddie Reese, and I've spoken about him previously, that the obvious things is who's winning the medals, who's got the fastest times, who's winning high school championships. That's the easy stuff. And I said to him, how do you recruit a team? He said, well, first of all, I go and meet with the parents. And I sit down and talk to the parents, and I get an idea about the family. Then I talk to their junior coach. Then I go and meet, if I can, either with their minister, if they've got a strong sense of faith, or I might go and meet with some of their high school teachers. And I start to build an idea of who's the athlete that I'm really dealing with. I don't, don't have to worry. I can pick up a newspaper. I can Google their times. That's not the challenge. I need to know I've got someone who's going to come in and is going to be part of our team, who's going to work hard, who's got our sense of values, who I can rely on as a potential leader. And he actually goes out and spends a couple of months on the road meeting with potential recruits. And I know a lot of that sounds vague, but for a lot of coaches, it's that sense of connection and understanding character and understanding the people and understanding their family. Oh, no, like Pony, it says, as the twig is bent, so shall it grow. And Eddie is smart enough, and I know a lot of coaches have got faith in that same system, is sit down with mum and dad, sit down and talk with the people who've shaped their career and shaped their character and say, hang on, who am I actually dealing with here? And that's that combined with the physical stuff and the testing and all those things that we can do gives you a complete picture of who you're dealing with in the team. Does it have to sometimes, though, Wayne, be a bit wider than that? Because it's like when you apply for a job and you're asked for references. You're only going to give people who are going to say good things about you. And and mum and dad want success for their child, so therefore they are going to perhaps say the things that the recruiter wants to hear. Do you actually have to talk to people who don't have so much of a vested interest to find out about people sometimes? Oh, absolutely, and that's why we go to the junior coaches quite often because I think there's a bit of a brotherhood sisterhood of the coaching fraternity and I have no doubt that if you sit down with someone who's coached a young player four or five years through high school they're going to talk to you about you say well what sort of player are they when do they get to the training how hard do they train do they inspire their teammates what sort of how would you describe their greatest qualities as a young player are they hard-working dedicated committed are they uh, talented extraordinarily gifted, how would you describe them? You can ask the right questions, be a little bit forensic and build a profile. And there's there's, there's a lot of different ways that, that you can do that. I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a, a really strong advocate, particularly recently, of having either a psychologist involved or a psychiatrist or someone involved who can go through some mental screening. Uh, it hasn't been done a lot. Increasingly, it is done in different parts of United States again, but predominantly as a risk management exercise where they want to make sure that if the players have got any signs of abnormal psychology, that they can provide appropriate care and support and nurturing for them through their experience in a professional sport. But it's also a, hang on, who are we dealing with here and get some data about it. But yeah, look, it is, it's a very difficult thing to do, but uh, increasingly, and, and you know, people will say, oh, well, if I get this big, strong kid in the team, they're gonna, it's going to make a big difference. I'll score a try, and we can deal with the other stuff. The message is, no, you can't. If you look at the disruption to the Bulldogs, the disruption to the Australian cricket team, some of the AF, if you look at the amount of time, effort, money, 
breakdown of their culture that they've got to spend dealing with a player who's off the rails, it is just not worth it. Do not worship physical talent. Are coaches brave enough, though, Wayne, even at the top level and certainly going down a bit? You know, what if your best player is just a rat bag? Well, that's that's a good comment. I think the best coaches are. I have no doubt that the uh, brilliant coaches of Smithy and Hanson and uh, Graham Henry in the past with Wayne Bennett, absolutely. Craig Bellamy, absolutely. The, the best coaches that I've ever met will will look at more because they understand the implications, Pointy. That's, that's, the, that's the key is that they go, yep, this guy could, could really create some damage out wide. This player could score 25 tries in a super rugby season. This player could be an absolute star. But then the little lights go, hang on a minute, terrible attitude. Seeing some things I don't particularly like could cause some a division within the culture of the team. Senior players have already said to me they don't particularly like this guy and he doesn't train as hard as they think that he should in the gym. Very influential on other young players. Oh, bang, 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 bang. Don't care how talented he is. It's going to take a lot of effort and time to try and turn them around. But unfortunately, what coaches will do at all levels, Piney, is they'll look at the physical size and strength and talent of the kid. Now, I could fix this kid. Yeah, mm. look, no problems. I can, I can knock the edges off. I'll improve this kid. And my message is to parents very clearly, you've got to be building character and values and attitudes and respect and discipline and all those things from a young age so that if they've got the talent and they've got the desire and drive and they get the opportunity in professional sport, that what's coming into that environment is not only a very talented young athlete, but a great human being and a person that's going to enrich the culture of the team and the club so that they become a very desirable property for a club and a team to recruit. They look at them thinking, well, not only is this kid exceptionally talented, but they're going to make our culture better. They'll make this team better just by the fact that they're in our team. Mm. Yeah, parents have the chance every day, most of them anyway, to, to model the way for their kids and to enter teach them you know, good values and, and, uh, and turn them into good characters. Coaches, I guess, less so. They have less contact with the, uh, with the kids and, and they're only ever in, through the filter of, of a competitive environment. So what are a couple of tips for coaches in terms of making sure that they're developing the players within their teams you know, to be good characters as well as good players? Yeah, great question, mate. But encourage selflessness. Encourage selflessness. No matter how talented they are, in the, 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 one of the things that I see a lot, for example, is that and we're tied up here in uh, junior soccer at the moment. Kids who turn up late for training, who are the super talented kids, or they don't come to all the training sessions, or they don't give everything in training, but the coaches continue to pick them because they're the best kid in the team. They're the kid that scores the goals. You've got to stop doing that. You've got to clearly say to that player, look, I love the way you score goals. When you're here, you make a big difference to a team, but you miss training, you'll be starting on the bench this week. And the parents will yell and scream, oh, my kid's so good, and that's tough luck. If they don't learn the lesson at 10, 11, 12, 13, and this is one of the big myths in sport point, is they, they, they look at the Hurricanes or they look at the Canterbury Bulldogs or look at any of the professional teams, they say, why are these players going off the rails at 25? Those teams should do something about it because they're professionals. It's too late. They try. And they put a lot of time and effort in and they work with them and mentor them and they've got like support. That stuff should have been sorted out when they were playing in the under 10s and they were, were, were showing signs of bad behaviour and selfishness and rudeness and disrespect and everybody ignored it 
because they were scoring the goals or scoring the tries or, or winning the races. So the message to coaches is reward values, reward character, reward selflessness, reward respect, show the players are saying, yeah, and why isn't he starting? He's our goal scorer. He missed training. He was late to training. He doesn't work at training, doesn't give everything they can at training. They're not supporting the rest of you. They're going to start on the bench. Make a statement very clearly early on that the things to value and prize the most in sport are the intangible things, the things that underpin success in the longer term. Wayne, I think of all the chats we've had over the last year and a bit, I think this has been the one that perhaps uh, holds the most value and could be of the most value to people listening. I thank you so much for your time and expertise on a uh, on a really prevalent topic. Enjoy the rest of your day on the Gold Coast, and uh, we'll chat again next week. I'm going to find a nice little spot in the freezer to curl up in and sleep, I think. <laughs> I love it, mate. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.